0: hi guys i'm emma and i'm julie and welcome back to another episode of our kardashian bonus show hey jewel hi em you
1: ready for kardashian family therapy um i was born ready Okay. So we are picking up right
0: where we left off. If you guys remember, we stopped right before the end of episode 15, right before they were actually about to sit down for therapy. They did their pre-Jimmy Kimmel glam, then therapy, then the Jimmy Kimmel appearance, which as discussed was kind of a bizarre logistical decision, but hey. So we'll pick right up with the actual therapy session and then we'll move into episode 16. Sounds like a plan to me. So as we know, it was kind of Chloe's idea to set up this session and they weren't really all on the same page about it. Courtney was very willing to go. She's been in therapy. She's found it to be helpful. So she was right there. Kim and Chris were definitely a little bit more hesitant. They are both not the strongest believers in it. And I think Rob was p- pretty down and I-, I think there was a part of him that knew what could come out, but he you know, wasn't really resisting that. And obviously, as we saw and discussed last week, before they go in is when they have this huge fight. And so Kim says in her confessional, I feel like after having this huge fight right before we walk into therapy, I'm not in the mood for this. And I don't really want to talk to a stranger about my family problems. I'll say from my perspective, I actually think them having this blow up right before going in was one of the best things that could have happened because... There was no warm up period. Like they all entered kind of at a level 10, which maybe was a little bit inflammatory, but at least it would allowed some progress to be made. You know, they certainly weren't shy in sharing their feelings, which could have been an issue.
1: Right, well, and not only allowed for progress to be made because they came in tensions high, it also allowed for the fact that they couldn't bullshit anybody in that room. You know what I mean? Like they couldn't come into therapy and kind of be like, "Well, you know, there's a couple of things going on like" They had to come in and directly confront exactly what was going on because they couldn't hide what they were all feeling at this point. Totally.
0: And I think that if you're this therapist, Dr. Nikki, it was probably very helpful to watch the dynamics occur in real time because oftentimes in these group sessions, what can happen is that there's a lot of explanation as to what goes on, but you're not getting to actually witness it. Of course, through the explanation, you get to witness it, but you're not really seeing a fight, for example. And like, she was seeing it all.
1: I really liked her. I thought she was great. I thought she was excellent and this was
0: not an easy task by any means.
1: No, this was, this was a big undertaking, but you're really right because you know everything that they were explaining, because it's not like once they were in there, they were hesitant. Once they were in there, they all really opened up and everything they were explaining in terms of their dynamic or the way they feel, she was able to just from watching the aftermath of this fight, be able to say, oh yeah, no, I see that. Like I see exactly what you're talking about. Like I saw that just happen.
0: Well, yeah. So the way that Chloe intros this when she sits down, she goes, so I've never really done therapy before, but Courtney and my mom have deep rooted issues. Robert has a lot of deep rooted issues because Robert doesn't really talk to a lot of people. He shares certain things with Courtney, certain things with Kim and certain things with me. And the therapist asks Rob if that's true. And Rob says, you know, yeah, probably, but it's not that I'm antisocial. I just kind of choose to be like that. And Chloe kind of interjects and says, well, you are a little bit antisocial too. Kim then jumps in. She's like, yeah, I mean, he changes his cell phone number once a week. And Rob says, I mean, the only people in my life that matter or that need to contact me is my family. I don't have many friends because I'm about having a very close circle. And Chloe says, I just think we as women don't really give him the time to talk. So I think it would be good to actually let him feel like he is the floor and like to hear what he has to say. Before we came in here, him and Kim were violently yelling at each other. But before even getting into anything, the therapist makes a comment in response to Chloe saying that she feels like they don't really give him space to talk of like, yeah, I've kind of seen that. And keep in mind, they had been there for all of five minutes, but already there was a lot of talking for Rob. I mean, that was just factually what was going on.
1: Yeah. On a completely separate note, I didn't realize until watching this that friendships in Rob's life was also an issue. Whether it was by his choosing or not by his choosing, it clearly was something that he struggled with.
0: Absolutely. It was one of my biggest takeaways as well. And I mean, listen, at some point in the episode, I'm sure we're going to acknowledge this. So now's as good of a time as any. You're watching this and to address the elephant in the room, you know, knowing what, I can't say what is going on current day with Rob, because frankly, we don't know. But knowing at least the last time we were given any insight, Rob was kind of going through it. And I think for me, at least what was so sad about watching this was not only witnessing the level of pain that he was in, but also knowing how it kind of ended up. And I'm not saying right now, because I don't know what's going on with him right now, but it is not a secret that his struggles from this point on, which was 2012, only continued. And so I think when you're watching it, there's a part of it that hits even harder knowing just how much he kind of went through it and potentially is still going through it. Again, I do not know, so I don't want to speak to that. But the last time we you know, I guess you could say interacted with him or he interacted with us as as the public. He was very
1: honest about his struggles. Completely. I mean, there's a lot there. I, I think also one of the reasons that I had that reaction to him saying the thing about having friends is when we talk about Lamar specifically and Rob's relationship with Lamar, it's very much he lost a very important male figure in his life. He lost a brother. It was a family member to him. And all of those things are 100% true. I think the aspect of it that I wasn't thinking about was he also lost a friend.
0: I know. I know. That was such an element of all this because, again, we will get there. But in the aftermath of it, when Chloe and Rob are kind of debriefing on therapy and she says, yeah, I was filling in Lamar. And he's like, yeah, I know. And she goes, how do you know? He's like, well, because he called me to check in. Like that presence was so important in his life. Someone else that wasn't one of his sisters, wasn't Chris, just checking in on him and I know we've said it a million times, but watching this episode is one of those times where just imagining how painful the loss of the relationship with Lamar was was really at the front of my mind.
1: If I think too much about Lamar, I'll start crying. I I get
0: it. Anyway, so back to this. I can already tell we're about to be all over the place because this was a lot. Like this was a lot for an episode and a half.
1: A lot is actually an understatement. Of all of the times where we've watched an episode of Kardashians and said like, ooh, I shouldn't be watching this. Like in however many years of the show, it was never more prevalent and never so raw as this episode.
0: No, I am right there with you. And we now have Chris who says, you know, my thing is to come away with today would be that we all have a line that we learn not to cross and that we have mutual respect for. This is my mom's role. My mom did that instead of just taking each other for granted all the time. And she's saying that she feels like appreciation would be very cool. To which Chloe brings up kind of the subject of Kim being Chris's favorite or them all feeling as though Kim is Chris's favorite. And she says, In my opinion, appreciation given is given to others more. Courtney, Kim, and I were business partners in almost everything that we do. Yes, Kim did a phenomenal job on QVC and we all praised her, but I don't think that praise is given to Courtney or I. And so then Dr. Nikki asks, So you feel like your mom favors Kim? Chloe says, I mean, I think all three of us could say that. And Dr. Nikki asks Kim if she feels that that's true. And Kim says, I think that my mom and I have a closer relationship, that I could understand her more, so I think that she's more comfortable communicating with me. I think Courtney and Chloe are closer, so they communicate all the time, and I feel left out all the time, but I'm an adult, so I'm not going to sit and cry over it. And Dr. Nikki says, left out can still hurt even if you're an adult. And Kim says, yeah, but it doesn't hurt my feelings. They're just closer. I just want to pause for a second to say that this moment where Dr. Nikki says, yeah, but you know." feeling left out can still hurt even if you're an adult was very important because specifically with Kim, and she says this at the top of the session, like, listen, I'm a very logical person. So if I'm feeling a certain way, I know why I'm feeling that way. And I can go through it in my head. And it doesn't really allow a lot of space for just like pure emotion and just letting that be for a second without any sort of reasoning. And so I I liked Dr. Nikki's response here of like, okay, but both can be true. You can be an adult and then also feel left out and lonely and Everything can be happening at the
1: same time. Totally. Well, it's kind of like also, on the other hand, Chloe and Courtney dealing with the Kim being the favorite child thing where it's like, okay, we're in our late 20s, in our early 30s. Do we need our mom to say that she doesn't have a favorite? Yeah, you still do. Like there's never an age you get to, even if it's like, being used as this continuous joke about Kim being the favorite, where that's not going to hurt, where that's not going to cause some sort of competitive nature. That's not going to, you know, sting a little or make you look at situations different when it comes to your mom and your sisters. Like that's always going to apply no matter how old you get. So it was kind of the same thing both ways.
0: Well, I know. And also just to call it out, it's not like Chris is denying it necessarily.
1: No, how could she? She was on a lie detector test a couple of episodes before completely admitting it.
0: Right. Anyway, so Chris says, I think a lot of you take it personally. And I don't mean any harm at all because I'm totally paying attention to everything that's going on. It took me 17 emails to get, oh, great job, Kim. Everyone else was going, oh my God, that was great. You didn't hear from me because I was just catching up with 3,000 other things. And in Chloe's confessional, she says, I don't know why my mom finds it such a shock that we think she favors Kim. It's a fact and to tell your own child that you're too busy. I'm obviously hurt because we're not just my mom's clients, we're her children." By the way, I know I'm doing a lot of reading here. It's just so important to have exactly what they said for us to be able to discuss it, because if not, it kind of all blends together. So Courtney responds to this and says, I don't think it bothers me as much as it bothers Chloe. Chloe goes, yeah, because you don't care for anyone's approval. And Courtney kind of agrees with that. She basically says, you know, it doesn't really affect my day whether or not I get a good job for my mom. And Chloe says, but it does affect mine which I know obviously at this point, we know this. I just want to point that out because a conversation we've had about Chloe specifically back in these days is that while at times she dished it out the hardest, she also arguably was the most sensitive specifically when it came to Chris. And I just appreciated her being so honest about that. Like, yeah, I do need a good job for mom. And it does impact my day negatively when I don't get it.
1: Chloe's the MVP here. Chloe's the MVP in terms of her own feelings, her own opinions, everybody else's, keeping everybody together, being the one that wanted to do this and orchestrated doing this. Like there's a very very specific role that Chloe takes on with this family and I think that for her, yes it's one thing to not get that good job for for whatever business they have or whatever work they're doing like I think she still 100% needs that I also think there's a part of Chloe that's like where's my good job for every single fucking thing I do for this family that goes unnoticed
0: oh 1000% and also I feel like it's a little bit fucked up to say but I think if you're Chloe there's a part of you that feels as though where's my good job for doing what some could consider the mother's role to be
1: Right, which is something that Chloe has always taken on with the family that she's spoken about, especially when it comes to Kendall and Kylie. And not that she took on that role and took it because Chris couldn't or wasn't doing it. That's not it at all. Chris was a very good mother to Kendall and Kylie, obviously. But there was a lot of motherly things that Chloe took on from the time that Kendall and Kylie were born and continued to do that. Like She acted as that second maternal figure to everybody in the family. And especially during this episode, when we get more into... The way that Rob really breaks down, we see her take on the role that one would expect for Chris to take on. I think it made sense for Chloe to be that person because I think that she was best equipped to be able to deal with that. But I think that if you were looking at it from an outsider's point of view, you would say, why Why wasn't Chris back there with him?
0: That's exactly what I was going to say to you. From my perspective, it actually made sense because I factually know that in this moment, Chloe was the most well equipped of everyone. But if you're watching this for the first time, I do think you're a little bit confused why Chris is still sitting in the room and Chloe is the one in the bathroom with him.
1: And we'll get into that.
0: Anyway, so Chris's response to this is basically saying, you know, I run a tight schedule. And once something's done, I'm kind of on to the next thing. But I do need to learn to stop and tell you all how proud I am of you. And it's something she's going to work on. So, You can call it a band-aid, but that was at least a positive outcome of that conversation. And we now kind of move into the phase of the session where the focus is really on Rob. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And... Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash cbc for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's com slash cbc to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash cbc. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies and To me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And AstroPro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to astroproallergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com, AstroPro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, so Doctor Nikki then says to Rob, "So Robert, everybody talks about you, and it kind of seems for you. Are they right though that you're kind of a simmering volcano waiting to erupt?" By the way, what a question, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like okay. <laughs>
0: and he says, "I mean, if it's something I'm passionate about, then I'm going to speak my mind." And Kim says, "But with a screaming voice." Rob goes, "It's only if I'm passionate about it or I'm speaking the truth about something." Courtney says, "You remind me of how I used to be, like just having this anger inside. I think sometimes you don't know what's going to just set you off." And Rob says, my whole thing is, my anger, a lot of it stems from the working environment because they all kind of put this cloud on me like I'm a loser. And Dr. Nikki says, what do you say when people do that? He goes, I mean, I don't say anything because I don't believe it. And Kim says, yeah, but then you blow up later. And Rob says, no, I blow up later because when there's a business opportunity, all my mom obviously cares about is the three girls. And whenever I say, you know, I want to open up a men's store and Kim kind of interrupts him and says, but mom never helped us with that. Rob goes, anyway, she's my mother. and," And Dr. Nikki says, okay, Hold on for a second. First of all, what are you feeling in this moment? Rob goes like they don't understand. The doctor says, and how does that feel to you? You look sad. Am I misreading you? Which narrator she was not misreading him. He was very sad and he basically fully breaks down. He starts crying. He gets up. He walks out of the room. Doctor Nikki's obviously asking him to stay, saying that nothing gets better when you walk out. Courtney then starts to cry just watching Rob cry, which is obviously emotional specifically because he's not really one to cry and definitely not in front of them. And, you know, Dr. Nikki is saying to Chris, Courtney and Kim, because Chloe had gone up at this point that she actually thinks it's good that he's crying because at least that he's getting it out. And Courtney's like, I know it's just that he never does. And, Chloe's with him kind of in the bathroom and she's saying, you know, it's okay to cry. And he goes, there's just no help. And Chloe's like, I can help you. I just need to know what you need help with. Dr. Nikki goes out and she's like, I know this is really hard. You don't feel safe, which was exactly my biggest takeaway as well. Not that it took a rocket scientist to tell you that, but that is, if I had to summarize what was going on there, he does not feel safe in that environment, which, and I don't mean the therapy environment. I mean, literally with his three sisters and his mom. When in theory, that should be when you feel you're safest. But he doesn't. I think he's constantly on the defense and just feels like really judged by them. And Chloe in her confessional says, we always joke around that Rob has all this built up anger and that he could erupt at any time. But I really had no idea it was going to go this deep and this far and be this emotional. And then we get hit with it to be continued.
1: Before we get into the rest My biggest takeaway from watching this episode was, you know, Chloe sets up this whole family therapy thing, basically to say like, there's a lot of changes going on. There's a lot of different things going on in all of our lives. And we seem to not be on the same page. Like, I think that we should have this family therapy session just to like almost touch base with each other. Like see where everybody else is, see where we can get to some common ground. What we were seeing with Rob was kind of like, it should have been his own therapy session. What everybody else was getting and was beneficial for everybody because they were talking to each other and they were, you know, hashing out the stuff with Chris and, and their sisters and business stuff. What Rob was experiencing was something like on a much deeper level and also presumably his first time dealing with this stuff in therapy. So it was like, We were watching two different therapy sessions almost. One that was a family therapy session and one that it was Rob kind of exploring for the first time the deepest, darkest parts of what he was experiencing. And that was the part where it felt like, okay, we shouldn't be watching this.
0: Well, and also, you know, for him to confront all of that for the first time in front of them was very intense. And there's a part of me that feels it was actually a good thing in that I'm glad they got to see Just how much he was really dealing with because all of them, I would say specifically Kim, but all of them kind of downplay that or maybe don't take his emotions as seriously. And so to watch him really have a a full breakdown, while of course very sad, was probably on some level necessary. But what really needed to happen was like him to take this as a starting point and then really go on his own. And maybe some of them come in for various sessions, but like this should have been the catalyst for him in intensive therapy himself.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, so we're transitioning now to episode 16. By the way, I should just call it out now. Who knows how this is going to go down, but I would say there's certainly a chance where we end up doing this whole episode just on the session. What do you think?
1: I love the way we're we're really taking on our own liberties here in these episodes. What the fuck else are we going to do? You never know how it's going to go down
0: until we start talking about it. It's like, obviously we have the outline, but the outline is literally just what happened. It's never like organizing our thoughts because the thoughts kind of just come from the conversation.
1: I love it. I'm I'm obsessed with this new era of us, you know, <laughs> breaking up the episodes.
0: <laughs> I just love when we remember probably twice a week that like we technically can do whatever we want. Sometimes we forget that.
1: No. By the way, twice a week is generous. I probably remember that we can do what we want like once every couple of weeks. And it's like, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I know.
0: Okay. So it's now... Dr. Nikki, Chloe, and Rob, which I got to be honest with you, do I have permission to just say Nikki? No disrespect. It's just, there's a lot of times that I'm quoting her and to have to say Dr. Nikki every time is, it's feeling like dramatic.
1: I don't know if I can give you that permission on Dr. Nikki's behalf, but I obviously throughout the entire outline transitioned to just saying Nikki. So I'm sure it's okay if you do. Okay. I'm just, again, no disrespect to
0: her title. It's just solely for the purpose of recapping. I think Dr. Nikki is about to sound a real repetitive, no? Yeah,
1: definitely. Okay. So
0: Nikki, I can't
1: do it. I have to keep the doctor. That sounded, that felt wrong. Maybe if we say like Dr. Nikki just start it off and then it's like, and then Nikki said, what about DN? Yeah. (laughs) I can't, I can't be calling her DN. No, no, no. Doc? (laughs) Doc? Nick? Why don't you just start and just see what feels right? Like You know what? I have to say my one takeaway from from my friend Nikki in this episode is that she would 100,000% want you to do what feels most comfortable to you. Okay, okay.
0: 1,000%. Well, I'm noticing in the outline that you, in episode 15, wrote Dr. Nikki. And I guess... When you started episode sixteen, you got a little lazy because there is no doctor to be found here in this actual outline in the transcription.
1: I don't think I got lazy. I think I I really felt connected to her, and then I was like, oh, she would want me to drop the doctor because we're so fam- we're so close, right?
0: We are family, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I would never call you if you were a doctor, Doctor Emma. I would just say Emma. I would you say, say M- M. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so.
0: Dr. Nikki, going at this moment, asked Rob what's going through his mind in this moment. And Rob says, I don't know. I just want my family happy. And she's like, okay, so what would you like to happen? And he goes, all I care about is saying yes to my mom, making her happy, doing whatever my sisters want to make them happy. And I feel like when it comes to the easiest thing, they don't want to help me. Which by the way, was so heartbreaking. Like just hearing him say specifically, like, I just want to make my mom happy. I don't know. There was just something about this whole thing that was very emotional.
1: There was a heaviness to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Because also, which we will get into as we continue, the element that, of course, can't be ignored here, even when it's not explicitly mentioned yet, is him mourning the loss of his father, which obviously played a huge role in the reaction that he was having here. And completely understandably so.
1: I think it's probably the main thing here. Yeah.
0: I know, and it's not that I can say this with 100% certainty because they didn't explicitly say these words. I mean, they made it clear that with the exception of Courtney, none of them are really familiar with therapy, but who knows if they've gone. But my read was that in the aftermath of Robert passing, Rob never really did this. Like there's a really good chance that this was maybe his first time.
1: Yeah, I don't really have an understanding of that either, but based on what I was kind of picking up, if he did do it, if any of them did do it, it wasn't something that was A consistent basis where he was really working through those feelings. It was maybe something where he went a couple of times in the immediate aftermath of it, if that.
0: Right. So we now flash back to Chris Courtney and Kim, who are still in the room. And Kim goes, I mean, I feel bad for him for sure, but I also think he might need to like take responsibility. Courtney says, No, obviously. And Chris goes, I like it when he gets vulnerable because I feel like he needs to break those walls down. He's so angry. Which just keep that in the back of your mind because the concept of Rob's anger really comes up here and we now flash back to rob dr nikki and chloe and rob saying i'm frustrated that i just want to do certain things like in a business sense and i feel like my dad would have understood me and dr nikki says i just don't think this is the issue and chloe goes no it's so much more and dr nikki is saying that yeah it's probably the top layer issue but you've been running from all these feelings and kind of running from yourself and finally between the two of them they get him to Go back into the room and sit down. But you can see he's very reluctant to do so. He's crying and he's saying, you know, nothing's going to change. Cause I think for Rob, I'm sure on some level it felt good to express all of this, but I don't think at this point he was optimistic about it doing anything. Like I think he could acknowledge that it probably felt good to finally break down and specifically in front of them. But I think his sense was like, this is just how things are
1: this thing with Rob is so layered and I don't want to be the one to analyze it like too deeply beyond what we were getting here. But I think there was a part of Rob that was like, nothing's going to change because he also couldn't necessarily pinpoint exactly what it was that he wanted or exactly what it was that he needed help with or exactly what it was that he was struggling with. I think it was kind of everything. And he was using this concept of business as the overall theme for what he was going through. But like like my girl Nikki said, that wasn't the main thing. Like That was just a piece of it. That was the top layer issue. That was what he was kind of blaming it on. But it was so, so, so much deeper than that. And I think a huge aspect of it in terms of his dad passing is... Rob was the man of the family after his dad died. And I think for him, he felt a certain responsibility in that. That's why he says, I want to you know, make my sisters happy. I want to help them. I want to make my mom happy. And instead, there's this role reversal, which does make sense considering he is the younger brother. He's the youngest in the family of, of the Kardashians, where the girls are then the ones taking care of him. And I think that a huge piece of this is that he feels like he's letting everybody down.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so much. I, there's certainly a part of him that was feeling emasculated. There was the feeling in the shadow of his sisters and Chris, feeling as though he had big shoes to fill of his dad's and that he wasn't rising to the occasion in the way that he had wanted to or maybe anticipated to. But when they're in that back room with him, Chloe and Dr. Nikki, and he says, you know, I'm frustrated. I just want to do certain things, like in a business sense. And I feel like my dad would have understood me. Fuck the first part of that sentence. It's the end part when he says, I feel like my dad would have understood me. It's not about Robert understanding him and his business desires. It's about Robert understanding him in a way that his sisters and his mom simply don't. And this is just the way that it's manifesting. But like that felt so significant to me because it was kind of the first time that his grieving process and just how much that's affecting him was mentioned, even if it was mentioned in kind of a roundabout way.
1: Totally. I mean, there was a lot here. It was incredibly layered and the reaction that he was having and what he was feeling. I think it was being understood as this therapy session went on for being a lot deeper than it is. But, you know, it's so interesting to hear them talk about Rob in the sense of he has all of this anger. He's a volcano waiting to erupt. He's so angry all of the time. but. At the same time, it feels like there was very little being done to explore, okay, but why is that the case? What is going on here that's making him this angry? What is going on here? What can we do to fix this? Because it's it's not normal to operate with this sense of anger all the time. It's, it's a deeper issue. It's a deeper problem that can be solved and can be worked on. And I felt like all of them had kind of just accepted like, oh, you know, Rob, he's just angry all the time.
0: I know. I know. That's why I'm saying to you that... Yes, to your earlier point, there was definitely a part of me that was watching this being like, I probably shouldn't be seeing this. At the same time, I couldn't turn away because I was so happy that finally it was all being, forget about being put out in the open, but just like being taken seriously. You know, it it had always been a, a conversation that was discussed either in passing or like almost with a bit of a comedic undertone or in the heat of a fight. Whereas here, this was like the first time where they were sitting down and saying, okay, Let's really you know, address this and, and let's try to attempt to give you a safe space to talk it out. I just, I felt I couldn't help but feel like it was so long overdue. Beyond so, yes. Anyway, so Rob comes back in and Dr. Nikki says, you know, I just want to get to the underlying issue because in a family like this, where they're so intensely related to each other, it can be very challenging. And she says specifically for Rob with all of the women in the family And Chris kind of agrees and says that, you know, it's challenging because she feels like she's the happiest when they're all happy. And she feels like lately, Kim, Courtney, and Chloe are kind of all in good places, but Rob's not in a good place. And she's saying, you know, he's not in a good mood hardly ever. And there's something that is just sad all the time. And it's a little knife just every single day, just digging because he's the one who seems lost. And she's like, I feel like I can't do anything about it and that the grief doesn't just go away. And, you know, Rob's not getting what he needs from them in the way that he would have gotten it from Robert. And Rob and Chris both break down in this moment and Nikki kind of tells Chris that Rob is so worried about making her happy and worried about making everyone else happy and not letting the family down. And Chris says to him, you're not going to let us down if you follow your heart, which I just want to pause here for a second before getting into his response or the rest of this conversation. Cause I just have so many thoughts on what Chris said a few seconds before that. And it's not a fully formed thought. I just, listen, at a baseline level, I obviously want to be conscious of the fact that everyone here was just being honest and I can certainly appreciate that. So even Chris, who I didn't love the way she handled this, she's at least just voicing what she feels and I can respect that. But when she says that part about, you know, Courtney's happy, Chloe's happy, Kim's happy, and it's just Rob and she expresses that it's so hard for her to be happy when she sees him unhappy. It's like, yes, of course she's his mother. And as a mother, you feel your child's pain. So it's hard for you to be happy when you feel your child isn't. But I just felt like it reinforced the idea for Rob that he is a failure and that his inability to like, quote, succeed or quote, feel good is then directly impacting Chris's ability to be happy. Even if that's what was happening there, it just, I don't know. It just felt like almost a self-victimization on Chris's part when that really shouldn't have been the focus. And I, I, just bear with me for one second here. When I first started therapy, like a million years ago, or the second time, the reason that I started was because it was after I graduated college. I just felt like I was having a hard time kind of like getting my shit together. And I remember sitting down and saying, I just feel like I'm having a failure to launch. And it was a feeling that I think I carried a lot of shame about. And what I realized in exploring that was that, like, I did feel that way. And the people around me were only kind of reinforcing that feeling because they too were making it like, what are we going to do about Emma, you know? And that's how I felt here. It's like, I know we needed the focus to be on Ra because obviously he is deeply struggling, but it just had this undertone of like, what are we going to do about that, Rob? And I just think that if you're him, that wasn't necessarily the energy you needed. I know I'm communicating this poorly, but I I need you to try to understand what I mean.
1: No, I don't think you communicated it poorly at all. I completely understand what you're saying. I think that the constant struggle that they're having in this circumstance with Rob is how do we best support Rob? And also how do we enforce this idea of like, you can't just skate by. You know what I mean? Like all of this stuff is going on. Rob is incredibly emotional. Rob is talking about feeling like such a loser and no one's helping him. But at the same time, you know, he's living at Chloe's rent-free. In the previous episode that we saw, Chloe is setting aside money that he's paying her quote rent and then putting it into an account for him to, to then have for when he is able to move out and the money is untouched. So yes, there's a lot of aspects that he maybe feels like he isn't getting the help he needs with them, but also there is a lot of things that they are doing to try and help him establish this future where maybe he's not doing himself any favors. And yes, there's also, you know, what's going on with Rob. It's a, there's a mental block there in terms of something is going on where he can't get himself to that place. He, he's having an issue uh, like you said, kind of a failure to launch. He's having an issue with what his ideas for his businesses are. He's having an issue for what he wants to do with his life. But I think that where the family is struggling with, and I really saw that throughout this episode is like, how do we help support Rob and not make him feel the way that he is currently feeling and also not necessarily let him get away with everything. And I think that's a really, really, really hard balance especially when you're looking at Rob, who is so incredibly emotional because your instinct is to just, okay, whatever he needs to help him, we're going to do it. But it also, at the same time, this question of like, okay, is giving him everything he needs, feeding into all of, of these ideas that he has the best thing for helping him learn like this longevity of responsibility and ownership and, and, and self-ownership. Well, right. And then on top of
0: it, the fact that You know, Chris specifically is very aware of the void in his life in Robert's absence and knowing that no matter what she does, she will never provide for him what Robert provided for him emotionally and otherwise. And again, it kind of feels like this is the first time where that's being discussed in a serious way. Like that's a huge piece of this puzzle. And of course for him, but also I'm saying on
1: Chris's part, because she carries a lot of guilt about that. There's a part where Kim is talking about that, where she says that she feels so protective of Chris. And when everybody's getting on Chris's case and everyone's being so mean to Chris, she feels so protective of Chris because she knows that Chris is doing the best she can. And she also sees how much it's killing Chris to not be able to provide Robert with what he needs. And, you know, Chris... Does for the girls, like Chris's expertise is in helping them build their businesses that are very female oriented. It's their makeup line. It's their nail polish. It's their clothing line. That's female. It's, it's all of the things that the girls are doing is the stuff that Chris knows best. And Kim knows that if Robert was here and Robert was alive, the things that Rob wants to do and raising a boy and helping a boy during these times, that's the stuff Robert would be responsible for. Robert would be the expert on. And so, you know, Not that Chris can't take on that role, but I think that what Kim is saying is that she really identifies what Chris's strengths are and Chris placed her strength so unbelievably well. And unfortunately for Rob, as he's trying to navigate this, they kind of have this moment of understanding, like this isn't Chris's strength and she's kind of learning as Rob is learning too, how to help him out to a certain extent. (music)
0: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Okay, so I obviously 100% agree with you. Like, that is factually what was going on here. Robert would have been better equipped to help Rob from a business perspective because Chris, as you mentioned, her talents lie more in building the businesses of Kim, Chloe, Courtney, and honestly, Kylie and Kendall. I think the part of the discussion that i felt was maybe lacking or that i was just curious about is like but what about just the role of the emotional support and not to say that robert would not have been able you know to play that in a huge way i'm sure he would have obviously they have that father and son bond but like i just felt like it, it was kind of discounting the role that chris and the rest of them could be playing from an emotional perspective and that's yes robert would have been very helpful but that's not like a skill set thing as much as it is just being there. I, I I'm not explaining this well because I my thoughts aren't fully formed but I
1: just felt so sad watching this. I know, I know exactly what you mean. And I think potentially what Chris is struggling with here is not necessarily she's giving Rob a different emotional response than Robert maybe would have. I think that what she's potentially feeling here is if Robert was still alive then maybe Rob wouldn't need this level of emotional support to begin with. Right, and I
0: can imagine as a mother, how powerless of a feeling that is. You know, seeing your son, how deeply he is grieving and knowing that the only quote fix in terms of like an event that could take place would be for him to have his father back. And that is just simply not an option here. And so like, I just think there was a, a real lack of knowing exactly how to handle a situation because she saw what the issue was, but I think she was struggling with, okay. And in the aftermath of that, like, what is my role? What can I do to not make up for it? Cause you're never going to be able to make up for it, but to support him the most while I know that the issue he's having is something that is factually unfixable.
1: It's a really, really tough position to be in. It really, like, I just felt, so deeply. I felt so deeply for Rob during this. Like it it was breaking my heart to watch him like this. And even if I don't think Chris necessarily a hundred percent of the time said the right thing or was handling it a hundred percent of the time in the right way, like to have to watch her watch Robert go through what he was going through was like, it was breaking my heart probably equally as much. The whole situation was so heartbreaking and I can't
0: speak for Rob, but I can speak for myself and saying like, when you are so badly longing for that parent who is gone, there can be a piece of you that feels hesitant to mourn so strongly in front of your other parent because you know how sad it will make them in knowing that there's nothing they can do to take that role. You know, like sometimes the the person you want to cry to about missing your parent isn't your other parent. (laughs) Like I, I don't, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but I I I understood how everyone was just really fucking sad here is what I mean.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Anyway, so there's so much here, but Rob responds and says, it just frustrates me that we're supposed to be a family and a team. And when there's an opportunity to be in the mix to do something and Kim interjects and says, you say you want something. Well, no one ever gave me anything. I worked, I wanted something, I made it happen. Courtney wants something, she makes it happen. Chloe wants something, she makes it happen. And Rob goes, yeah, the majority of the time together, you three And Kim's like, yeah, but I mean, a lot of the things we're doing are makeup lines or nail polish and kind of things that wouldn't be, you know, quote appropriate for you. And Rob's like, yeah, and I get it. And Kim says, but we would do anything for you. And we've asked you so many times. And Courtney says, I think we all get caught up though in our stuff that's going on in our own lives, and Rob says, which is fine, you're busy. And Kim goes, I've always been the type to just hustle and do it on your own. So I feel like sometimes when you want help, I'm like, you're not directing us. And I told mom, this is exactly what I want to do. So she made it happen. So I think we would all help you if you just had a little bit more guidance to us. And Kim in her confessional says, if you really think about it, it could be intimidating to have three sisters that are successful and then being the only boy. It must be hard being around us. I completely understand it. But there's something that I just don't get why it doesn't motivate him though. And in the session, Kim kind of starts to break down talking about Chris is what you were mentioning earlier and saying that, you know, she feels bad when everyone's meet her because she really does feel like Chris is kind of just doing the best she can with the skill set that she has, which we then get into more of a robber conversation. But I just want to pause there for a second.
1: A huge part of also what you see happen is specifically with Kim. And I think that's also why Kim is the hardest on Rob, where Kim feels so strongly about the fact that like, if she did things a certain way, that's also how Rob has to do them, which is not necessarily how things have to go. And I think that Kim is so uh, firm in this idea of like, nobody handed anything to me. I was working at dad's office. I did this thing. I was Paris's closet organizer. I had this idea. I came to a bit mom with a business plan. I invested my money in this. Like She's very laser focused on what she did to get to where she is. And I think in her mind, if Rob is not following a similar path, then he is taking the easy way out and it's just being handed to him rather than like, okay, we're helping Rob navigate things because now as a family, we're in a very different place than we were in when you were starting to do this. And so we now have more tools and we have more ability to help Rob in a little bit of a different way.
0: Completely, like 1,000 million percent. And also the fact that, as we know... Kim's level of respect for a person is directly tied to their work ethic. So in addition to what you're saying, which is that maybe she could have a little bit more grace and understanding that like it's going to be a different path because they are just in a different place now than they were when they first started on top of it. I think whether or not they're helping him or not, she feels like his work ethic isn't where it needs to be. And so the two things happening at the same time, the fact that she feels the experiences need to be the exact same and also he factually doesn't have the same work ethic. Like that's not a good combination if you're trying to make a case for Kim.
1: I think that's also a sibling thing that doesn't really go away. Kind of like what Nick was saying at the beginning where she was like, just because you're an adult doesn't mean it doesn't hurt to feel left out. It's kind of like, just because you're an adult doesn't mean that that feeling of like wanting equality among your siblings in terms of your experiences doesn't go away. Like that's such a thing when you're little where if like your sibling gets two toys, then you have to get two toys. If, if your sibling gets to do this, then you get to do that. If they get a phone at 13, you get a phone at 13. And it kind of works in the reverse too, where it's like, well, I had to wait until I was X age to do this. They have to wait until they were X age to do that. And I think that's kind of a thing that carries with you even into adulthood, not obviously to the same degree, but you see it kind of creep up in certain examples, kind of like this, especially with things that you consider to be very important.
0: Well, I mean, that's certainly a theme here, just more generally, that a lot of the dynamics that existed in childhood very much carried their way over into adulthood.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right, like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. For a very limited time, comments by celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. Visit RosettaStone.com/comments. That's fifty percent off and limited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/comments today. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter-looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit: Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. So Dr. Nikki then asked Kim how old she was when their dad died and kind of how that period was for her. And Kim says, you know, when someone's sick, you kind of just do what you have to do and you take care of them. And she's like, I think I handled it really well. I spoke at his funeral. I don't think any of them would have been able to do that, meaning the rest of her siblings. And she talks about how she was working in his office and that she was the last one working there at that point. And Chloe interjects and is like, well, I was working there too. And Kim's like, no, I think at the time that he died, it was just me. And Chloe's like, nope, I was there too. And Kim's like, oh, I, I don't remember that because I would always leave to bring him lunch. And Chloe's like, why are you taking something away from me? And Kim's like, no, I just don't remember it. I'm not taking it away. I just don't remember you working there. Rob's like, yeah, you're very good at that, by the way. And Chloe in her confessional says, if Kim doesn't remember things the way that I remember them, Kim will call me a liar. She does it to me all the time. You're not right all of the time. And in the session, Kim and Chloe are kind of going back and forth about the timeline of working with their dad. And Dr. Nikki asks why it's important. And Kim's like, It's not important. It's just that Chloe kind of lies about little things all the time to invalidate other people. Chloe's like, oh, so it's me that's fabricating the story. And in her confessional, Kim says, I'm trying to sit there and be supportive and listen to everyone's issues, but I'm just feeling so attacked. I'd rather just get out of the situation and not be here. And Kim's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't even care. And Dr. Nikki says, but you do care. And Kim's like, no, I don't. I'm just annoyed because we've been sitting here for so long and I have somewhere else to go.
1: Holy shit. Can I tell you the thing that really struck me most from this? Yeah. It was the way and like the tone of voice that Chloe used when she said that she was working in the office with their dad too. It was so like quiet and subdued and just like, Almost like she was scared to speak. I don't know. There was just something about the tone of voice that she used to say that in where I was like, I've never heard Chloe communicate like this before. I understand
0: that being a takeaway for sure. It it, it struck a nerve with her that like she definitely reacted in a way that she doesn't normally react. I also think she was so mad that she was calm because yeah. I felt like this was really fucked up of Kim kind of. Like I understand she was just explaining the situation as she remembered it, but you know those end of life memories are very sacred to like a child, and I, I don't know. I just felt like there was a part of Kim when explaining this, and again, she was just being honest and saying how she felt. So like I can honor that, but I don't know why she couldn't have said what she did and her role without shitting on them in the process. Like I I don't know why she needed to say. I spoke at his funeral. I don't think any of them would have been able to do that. That sentence would have been just as strong if she said, I spoke at his funeral and I was really proud of myself for doing that. Like, If I'm Chloe or the rest of them, I understand feeling like Kim is constantly digging because I felt in her explanation of this, I mean, to me, there must have been some underlying anger she had towards them. And I guess feeling as though she rose to the occasion in a different way. I I don't know exactly how to explain it, but This is the type of thing where if I was Chloe, I would have been livid.
1: There's clearly something there because even to this day, when Kim talks about that, that's exactly the way that she explains it. Like she still highlights that point of being the only one able to talk at his funeral. She still highlights what she did in comparison to what her sisters did and i don't know if that's a point of like comfort for her where like she knows that in his final moments she did everything she needed to do or if it's a point of resentment of like i was forced to do these things and i was forced to step up even though i was 22 and i was really young i did what i had to do if it's a combination of both of those things but you know that's not something that she said one time in therapy and and it upset everybody else it's something that she continues to feel and say and explain to this day in that same way totally totally I actually feel
0: like, given how this could have gone down, it remained calmer than I would have anticipated. I'm talking about this particular part of the discussion because I just feel like that had the potential to be fighting words. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, and they kind of (laughs) were. No, they, they were, but I'm saying like, you're right that Chloe's response of having this almost subdued reaction was unique. Like that's not the way that I probably would have expected it to go down. But I think Chloe was so one mad that it actually manifested in almost like a silence, but also I think she was so hurt, like almost as though the wind was knocked out of her that Kim intentionally or not was attempting to take away an experience from Chloe that obviously in her mind has been very important and like very special in the last year of her father's life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This
0: family's got some shit, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Whoa. And by the
0: way, this is all pre Kimmel.
1: No, the fact that they had to do a Jimmy Kimmel appearance after this is beyond me. I actually meant to go back and I didn't get a chance to, but I wanted to go back and watch that Jimmy Kimmel appearance just to see how they were. Because even after this therapy session where they're in the green room prior to Jimmy Kimmel and they're getting, you know, glam obviously touched up, like, Kim is is silent. She's not saying a word. She can't even really look at them. And then they just have to go on to Jimmy Kimmel and act like everything's fine.
0: I did the exact same thing. I went to look it up. I literally Googled Kardashian's Jimmy Kimmel 2012. And then I think my dad called and I never went back to it, but I do want to do that. We can do that before the next episode just because I'm so curious. Because like, by the way, POV, you're Jimmy Kimmel. And three hours ago, Kim invalidated Chloe's entire experience pre their father's death. And now he's probably asking them some bullshit about, the show. Like he has no idea what he just walked into.
1: But here's the thing with, with their level of professionalism is that we will watch that Jimmy Kimmel clip and we will say, wow, even knowing what we know, I, I can't sense one single thing being off between them.
0: No. And that's a combination of number one, the media training and the professionalism, but also the fact that they are professional sweepers under the rug. Like if there's one thing they know how to do, it's, Compartmentalize. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. I guess this episode will be the therapy episode and we'll continue next week with the remainder of episode 16, episode 17, and I guess episode 18.
1: You know what? I would say, yes, that sounds like a plan, but (laughs) you never know what's going to happen. Now that we've set the standard for we can break up the episodes this way, who the fuck knows what we're going to end up doing? (laughs)
0: And I really appreciate that. I'm loving- Me too. I'm loving the autonomy here.
1: Me fucking too. (laughs) Okay,
0: well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And we'll see you later this week. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically, when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes, there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it.